Healthcare and senior care is fraught with problems and challenges, but we're also seeing some amazing new clinical treatments and resources. This show will help illuminate and uncover the good, bad, and the ugly in order to equip patients, families, and other healthcare providers. Welcome to Senior Care Confidential. Hi, welcome to Senior Care Confidential. I'm Brian Harmon. Joining with me today is Liz James, a reformed pharmacist whose own health struggles caused her to question her training and experience. And since then, she started a company to combat misinformation and promote proper health through nutrition and avoidance of certain harmful medications. Well, welcome, Jan. Liz. Thank you. Thank you very much. So how did you get started in, first off, give me a background in terms of pharmacy, and then what caused you to lead down a different path? So um, I've been a pharmacist for 32 years now. In September of 2020 was my official walk away for after 30 years in practice. Okay. And um, But the first 10 years of my practice, I would say I was very much a traditional pharmacist, believed all the Kool-Aid that, that we, were, we were fed in okay. pharmacy school. And um, then, then I had a little accident. And I was about 33 years old, and I had broken my wrist. Found out I was osteopenic at the time. Mm. And at 33. At 33. That's wow. very young. Very young, but I'm fine boned, you yeah. know. And um, at that time, the doctor was like, you're like, you need to go ahead and start thinking about getting on some basic medication. And I was like, oh, no. Wow. Oh, no. And so I was at I was at work, had my wrist in a cast, and on two separate occasions... I had two different women come up and say, you need to drink raw milk for that broken bone. And the first one, I was like, raw milk is dangerous. <laughs> and, <laughs> I've heard about this. Yeah. This, Conspiracy this, theorists. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, that's really dangerous. You're going to end up with like TB or something, you know? So the, then the second one, it was like a few weeks later, a different lady came up and said the same thing. And yeah, I am, I am faith-based. And I was like, when I, when you hear t- two things kind of out of the blue like that, mm-hmm. I feel like that's the Holy Spirit saying, you need to take a look at this. Yeah. And so um, I went home that night and I started just doing a little bit of research online. And I ended up ordering a book called The Untold Story of Milk by Ron Schmid. And it is, it's it's really a textbook. I mean, so it's not a quick read. But I got done with that book and I was like, my word they have not been telling us the truth. (laughs) And, and and it was fascinating. I mean, and I feel like people cannot understand things unless you also understand the history behind how we got to where we are now. Sure. And that's exactly the same. That's exactly what happened in the raw milk industry. Um, how, or, or the milk industry in general, and so in order, you want to cover that right now? Maybe? We can, or okay. you can skip forward to the, how did it, well, let's I, do this. How did it help you first? Like what was the results after you started taking well, raw milk? The, the fast forward result is, I mean, I started drinking raw milk and we, we like found our source, started drinking raw milk. After about six years, we ended up buying our own cows because we do live on a farm. And then I started hand milking and it evolved from what there. Did, what did your lab value show once you started doing the raw milk? Did it correct the osteopenia? Well, so what happened was that was, I was 33 when I was 48. So that was 15 years later, uh-huh. right? That Then I had a little run-in with a bull. Right. Yeah, you, you and I have talked about this, <laughs> right. but I'll, I'll explain. Um, I, w- I got charged by a bull 
And he did. This isn't like you're running with a bull thing. This is like a bull at this your is, own house. Yeah, this is like yeah. a bull. So that, he knew you. Yes, yeah. yes, he knew me, but he wasn't happy. Gotcha. And he hit me on the left side of my left leg, threw me, and um, I landed. But I had a complete external tibial dislocation. Now, mind you, that means bone is sticking through the skin. Correct. The, right. The 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 bottom ball of the tibia uh -huh. was entirely outside the skin. Jeez. And, um, but the tibia did not break. Oh, wow. Okay. The fibula broke. Gotcha. And there was a lot of tendon damage that was done, but the tibia, the big bone did not break. And which was. Phenomenal considering your history of osteopenia. Considering the 15 year history of osteopenia. So, um, I did go back and have another bone density scan done during my recovery. And they were like, so. What medication have you been taking? <laughs> and, Gods. <laughs> right? I said, um, I've been taking raw milk and magnesium and a certain, you know, a certain yeah. kind of magnesium. And and they're like, and nothing else? And I was like, no, nothing else, just that. And they said, Well, you have the bones of a healthy 18-year-old female. Wow. So, you know. At 48. At 48. Yeah. Yeah. With so when you heard this, is this what started you? Because you were still practicing as a pharmacist this totally, whole time. Totally. So at this point, when you realize, holy smokes, this is actually working, is this when you started to make the transition to? No. Okay. No. After after I went down the raw milk rabbit hole, um, and I came up for air, and I was like, so if the American Dairy Association is not necessarily my friend, my friend, <laughs> our friend, then. Who else is also not our friend? And so then I started studying all kinds of other food, okay, like food stories, yeah. and what's the truth about food and that kind of thing. And at that time, then I found the Weston A. Price Organization, which I don't even okay. One, huh? They they really promote um, traditional eating and backed by science. Okay, that's what they do. Okay, and. Very, very, very good group, and they know exactly what they're talking about, and they have some of the best of the best who um, regularly show up at their at their seminars and symposiums. But um, and then I was hooked. I was like, "Oh my word!" And but then it's like when you have like you're pointing a finger at somebody who's pointing back at you. you got your three yeah. fingers pointing back yeah. at you, and it's like, "Well, okay, so if all I'm if they've all been like not so truthful with us." then who else is lying? And I was like, I feel like I need to start looking at the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. And so this was, again, a, like after the raw milk, and I spent about two years raw milk and food, and then I just really kind of went down the rabbit hole of big pharma. I mean, I didn't realize what I was going to find. I had an idea, but it just, it, it, it start just blew my mind. And I started out... Um, I think the first drug, the first drug class I really looked at was was the statins, mm -hmm. and which again, this was probably fifteen years ago, twenty eight, yeah, about fifteen years ago. Yep. And I was like blown away with what we're told versus the reality, and then the long term effects, and the long term effects, yep. and not not just that, but statins, for example, which is a, one of the most popularly prescribed medications, right? It's like we need cholesterol. Yep. Cholesterol is not the fiend. Inflammation is the is the fiend. Right. And but inflammation is never addressed. 
and not the way it should be. I mean, they'll, they'll come in and address inflammation. If it's like you come in with a bad back, then right. they'll, then you'll get your NSAIDs or yes. uh, your, you know, your muscle spasm medication or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in terms of chronic inflammation and, and from a lab work perspective, cause I, I read, I do lab work analysis and I'll look at people's labs and I'll make lab work recommendations is they so often don't run even inflammation markers because inflammation doesn't have to feel like you don't have to feel anything. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, silent inf inflammation is what leads to heart disease. Right. Silent inflammation is what leads to brain disease, that kind of thing. And that can go on for years and years until the thing happens, whatever that thing is. But for heaven's sakes, our brains are 50% cholesterol. Yeah. Why would you take a medication? What's the rationale behind them? Like why, why were, what did you find? Why, why were they giving those out? So um, for statins, they... Was it just a misunderstanding of what they were looking at? I don't think there's a misunderstanding. Okay. I don't I don't believe that there's a misunderstanding. I think that they've done the research and they know. Um, it when you have inflammation vascularly, mm -hmm. you have you end up with, with little micro tears in the vascular system. Cholesterol, which is needed for every cell in the body. It's just doing its job at this point. It will go and start trying to patch these little tears gotcha. like duct tape. And then when you have patch upon patch upon patch, because the tears keep happening, then that's when the clogs, uh, the clotting starts happening. Okay. And so you're looking at the, the effect, but not the cause. Yep. So that's the problem. And that's the problem in a lot of um, the pharmaceutical industry. What's, what's another medication outside of statins that you find the, the same thing, like a widely used one that it's either misunderstood or improperly used or whatever? Acid reducers. Okay. Tell me about that. That's a big one. That's Which, a, that's a huge that one. one. And up until a few years ago, you know, there, there was no warning on it. And, and there's still, even though there is a warning on it, people are on them for decades decades yeah. and they're not they're not to be used for more than eight weeks so what happened are they patching it over is that what the, is that what the purpose of this thing is like hey i'm having some acid reflux stuff so let's figure out a way to limit the amount of burning or whatever heart heart um, okay well so so this is where it gets very interesting too for this class of drugs because people are taking them because they think they have what too much acid? Too much acid, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, but the only way you can you can tell if you have too much acid is to actually do a procedure where they go and they take a little sample to see if that's the case. Right. How often is that getting done? You tell me. I don't. Like, I don't think very often. Yeah. Like from the people I've talked to, like I don't know of anybody that that's yeah. actually they're doing been it based done. Off, off symptoms. They're doing it based yeah. off of symptoms. But here's the thing, in the reverse, if your body is not producing enough acid, stomach acid mm -hmm. is what I mean, when the body's not producing enough stomach acid, you eat, the, the stomach has to digest all the food yep. before it can go through the sphincter to go into the small intestine. Yep. If that can't happen, especially with meat, then you have like this roadkill situation that starts fermenting in your stomach, where does it go? Up. Up. 
it has no choice but to go up. So you're saying a lot of times when they're when we're prescribing, I, I don't prescribe when physicians are right. prescribing these acid reflux medications or even just the over counter stuff. We're trying to fix a symptom that's the root cause is the wrong is actually the opposite. Like we actually need more acid, and these acid re reduction medications are actually making this the condition worse. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and so what do you recommend? Cause we've, I see well, a lot of seniors that have GERD and those kind of issues. What, what should they be look, talking to their doctor about taking to help with that? What helps to improve high quality digestive enzymes? Gotcha. Okay. And, and if their food is di starts digesting, because as you get older, often your built, your body's ability to produce their own digestive enzymes does go down. Okay. And so that's when... Meaning, is that also mean that they're not getting as much, as much nutrition from the food? That's exactly right. So there could be malnourishment just from this part too. That's exactly right. Okay. That's exactly okay. right. And, I've, and I have some older family members that that's exactly what was happening until we got them on digestive There's lack of absorption of yeah. the nutrition yeah. that's been going yeah. through there. Okay. But the other thing that happens in with taking protonics or Prevacid or what, you know, whichever, yeah. pick, your, pick your poison, there you have... Over time, it gets so bad that you have you're not absorbing anything, and so what happens? Then your bones get brittle, and, yeah. then, and then they see you because they've got a broken hip, yep, or so on and so on and so on. Wow! So when you say digestive mm -hmm. enzymes, so so for the audience that's listening, where where would they find? Are those like probiotics? Is it what, well, what so, exactly is? So that? probiotics and digestive enzymes are two completely different things. Okay, and and probiotics are also very important, and they're I don't. I don't really want to talk brands here. No, that's fine. So, yeah. but can you get? It, I mean, I guess my question is, can you get it from over the counter, like the digestive yes. enzymes, or yeah, is this? Yeah, okay. they're they're definitely available over the counter. Just use your, and I'm going to say use an all either a functional medicine practitioner okay. or um, somebody who's more holistically minded yep. that is willing to go down this path because they they understand what I'm. So as a, as a brief here. aside for the for the folks that may not know what that means, what is a functional medicine doctor or practitioner so a compared to like internal medicine or primary care? So a functional medicine doctor, and you can have an internal medicine doctor who who specializes in functional medicine. Okay. 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 Um, but a functional medicine, they actually find the root cause as opposed to just dealing with symptoms. Okay. And the the discouraging part of what a lot of people who are in healthcare see people who like like you mm -hmm. and me what we see is we see people who want to be healthy but they don't want to take ownership of their own health they just want somebody to to give them a pill yeah and so you or there, or there's just so much information out there they don't know how to make heads or tails of it, and so it's just it's so overwhelming that I, you know. I, oh, I totally yeah. agree. And the, and then there's then and then there's the people who they just don't know any better, right? So there's so there's that too. But I have had conversations with people, and I'm sure you have too, where you present the information, mm -hmm. and then they've heard the truth, they understand the truth, and it's still it's easier to have the pill. So, yeah. but my point is you will pay the pharmacist or you will pay the farmer. Yeah. One or the other, you're going to pay, <laughs> right. You're going to pay and somebody one of has them. Far, far higher margins. Yes. Speaking of, there was a, there was a, a new drug. I don't know if you heard of this one is apparently it's for, I just saw an article about it, um, for, um, diabetes and, um, they're starting to see this being prescribed as a, 
weight uh, loss. A weight loss drug. Be- to your point, like everyone's looking for a pill. Holy smokes! <laughs> like a diabetic drug mm. now being treated, used it's, for weight loss. Yes, and I'm not a fan. I would imagine so. That's got to do wonders for your insulin. Not a fan. Yeah. And the the other thing too that you have to remember is that particular medication is not in it not inexpensive. And as soon as you stop, well, let's just say you can't stop. Right. Because so, you're, you're gonna you're gonna reset your metabolism or right. your insulin sensitivity somehow. Right. Yeah. Right. So so if you were to stop, it would not it would not bode well. And so basically, you're volunteering to be a diabetic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you're volunteering to take diabetes medication. Yeah. And, you know, some people may disagree with me, but I'm like, you know, God gave us everything we need to manage our bodies and he gave us what we need to heal. Yes. And that goes to our point. We got a few minutes remaining. I wanted to show you a, uh, a study that was done by Tufts. It's called the not the food pyramid. It's called the, um, what do they call it? The food the something. Compass. Oh, yeah, the, compass, the food yeah. compass. Go ahead and pull that up, Jordan. So you see here, this was crazy. So this was this this chart actually was not part of their study, but some people have actually um, taken some uh, some of the key points out of it to to rank these foods. So there's a bunch of these going around on Twitter and the internet, or whatever. Um, so I just have one here that was really pretty phenomenal. It's you know it's got frosted mini wheats at a much higher health score than even something like a chicken breast or ground beef. And so when we're using these kind of studies to make um, recommendations for food, even in hospitals or whatever, you can. It, it makes sense why a lot of this, the stuff that we're ingesting is, is hurting us because the top stuff outside of maybe the watermelon and the kale, which there's some issues with kale too, okay. but outside of that, everything else there is like processed foods and the things that are at the very bottom, you know, ground beef and and chicken is a little bit further up, but Whole those things, eggs. yes, they're they're considered as not as healthy, and so it's this kind of stuff that that further makes it more difficult for people to make wise decisions. Cause like, wait a minute, the powers that be, I mean, Tufts is a major university. The it's, and so they, they, they did this entire study. I think it was over like three or four years, if I remember correctly. Um, and so if they're getting this information, it, it, it stands to wonder why people are so confused about even something as basic as nutrition. And who funded these studies, Brian? I know. Well, the, the people who make the top things <laughs> in that in that chart, yeah. So, and then the last one I'll show you too is uh, there's a food pyramid um, that's that Tufts put out as well. That Jordan will pull up in just a second. There you go. Um, and so on that one, it kind of goes through the same thing. And it, you know, the bottom part's great. You know, hydration is good. Although at the bottom, if you read it, I know on the screen it'll be it'll be kind of tiny, but it talks about fruit juice. The problem with fruit juice is it's way high in sugar, and there's not enough fiber to make you feel full. And so you'll actually overdrink um, fruit drinks. But even that aside, you know, the fact that we've got, was it six? I think it's six. um, I can't see it from the screen, but I think it's six servings of um, carbohydrates, essentially, for every two servings of protein. Well, one of the things that we we recognize in healthcare, there's been recent studies, let me put it this way, it's not widely discussed. And so there was a recent study that was talking about sarcopenia, which is really just, uh, it's age-related muscle loss. Mm -hmm. One of the issues with the recommended daily allowances is that, the the RDAs are not stratified by um, gender. They're not stratified by um, illness or health. They're not stratified by age. It's just a it's just a flat line of this is how much it takes of X Y Z whatever nutritional thing um, to maintain like baseline living on a couch life. And so they recommend I think it was point if the, if I remember correctly I think it's point grams point eight grams of protein per one kilogram of body weight um, for protein. 
Um, and that was just, again, to maintain just a baseline thing. What the new research is showing is it actually needs 50% more than that. So mm -hmm. 1.2 um, grams of protein per kilogram of body weight to help to bend the curve against sarcopenia. Interestingly enough, similar studies have shown that in the hospital, it's actually the 0.7. So even in the hospitals, they're not even getting like the baseline amount of protein. So this goes to like the whole industry needs to be better educated. Like the healthcare industry, the, the, the thing that you got, you and I are in needs to be better educated on just the basics of, of nutrition, because if we don't have the ingestion start stuff properly tuned for us, then it leads down these other pathways where now we're, we feel like we're now having to go the pharmaceutical route, which obviously has some bad side effects to those as well. Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, we can't, we can't blame the healthcare providers because like those that don't know, that haven't gone, that haven't gone down yeah. the rabbit holes. Yeah, I mean, they are just reflecting what they were taught. Our training, that's right. And our training, yeah. and but you have to remember, like, who was our training subsidized by? I mean, I can tell you when from pharmacy school. I mean, that's we, an obvious one. Yeah, yeah, that's an obvious one. Yeah. So they're they're going to do what benefits them, right? And yeah. and we are we as individuals, we are a commodity. Like our health is a commodity and our health is, is if we are sick, we are way more of a commodity than if we are well and healthy and independent. Oh, chronic illnesses are like the, that's, that's right. where the majority of the, of the, right. of the, of the healthcare dollars are spent. Right. And those chronic illnesses are usually a reflection of poor eating habits. That's exactly um, right. And you know, it's metabolic issues is really what's causing the yeah. majority of those. Yeah, totally. So I, I mean, I totally, I totally understand the whole trickle down effect. Oh yeah. Um, and I just, you know, what are some questions as as we close up? What are some questions that seniors or even just active adults should be asking their doctors and their pharmacists about when it comes to these kind of things? Oh, like, you what know, do you what do you usually educate your 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 clients about? Okay, well, and and to be clear, I, you know, I'm not behind the counter anymore. Sure. I, I use my license for for in a, in a different way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I you was going to say for good. Say, but yeah. You knew exactly what I where I, what I almost came out of my mouth, um, but. You know things things like um, it. It is appalling to me to see a little old man or a little old lady. They come to the to the pharmacy and they're picking up their boost or their glucerna. I mean, <clears throat> that stuff is not good for you. Yeah. I mean, there are better alternatives out there. And um, the same thing can be said in terms of medication. When you get a bunch of doctors involved mm -hmm. with a bunch of medications, no good will ever come of it. Um, and every medication has a it causes a deficiency. I mean, medication by definition is a toxin. I mean, it doesn't matter which medication it is; it is a toxin. It's not natural. It's yeah. not natural. Right. And and but every medication will cause a one or more or multiple deficiencies. Like with the acid reducers, multiple deficiencies will cause a deficiency in a vitamin, a mineral, a hormone, an enzyme. I mean, and so. Um, that's are, really, are, that, are all medications bad or is there a use case for some in limited mm, circumstances for a limited time frame? There, well, like I taking mean, antibiotics, for example. Yeah. I mean, there, know. there's a time and a place for Western medicine. Don't get me wrong. Okay. That's, I just want to make yeah. sure the audience is clear. Yes, like we're not yeah. anti-medication. Right, there's just, if we're utilizing that to manage chronic things, that, that might be, we might need to look at a different course. Correct. Gotcha. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And but in acute instances where we're dealing with like sepsis infection or whatever, there yeah, are, the, I mean, the benefit of, of us having these medications now is we do live a lot longer. To well, yeah. totally. But, but I will go so far as to say 
There is um, a lifespan, and then there's health span. Couldn't agree more. So, and and lifespan is, I mean, they can keep you alive for a very long time, but that doesn't mean that you're having any quality of life. Right. So health span is what I'm interested in, and mm -hmm. I know that's what you're interested yep. in too. And that's so that you can live life as full as you possibly can for, I'm going to say the duration of your life, you know, that you, at the end of your life, you know, you go and say, that was a great ride. Yes. And you remember it. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of important. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, it was so great to have you on. Yeah. Thank you so much for sure. coming and sharing your information and, sure. and education. Um, what's the best way for our audience members to reach you? Um, I can be reached through my website, which is just um, www.goodmedicine.info. And then all your stuff is on there, your contact mm -hmm. information, how they can reach you, yeah. those kind of things. Yeah. And you're based here in Dallas area? In Dallas area. I'm North of McKinney. North McKinney. Okay, yeah. And I, I, I see clients um, via Zoom. I also see them in person. So. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Very good. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, sure. Liz. Sure. Great to have nice you. Nice to meet you. All right.